For all of us, by God's grace, that know that his love cannot fail, say, Amen. Amen. I got word this morning that, uh, and it's a great reminder that his love never fails, that we need to continue to pray for Luke Butler. Uh, Luke has done well um, amending and, and healing uh, this morning, though we heard uh, there might have been a blood clot uh, heading toward a, his lungs, and so he's, uh, he continues to need some prayer. Uh, Carl's on his way to, to meet with him and to pray with him. So let us go to before the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father God, it is the greatest news that we could ever hear that your love never fails because we live in a world that seems spinning out of control and, and God, our lives are failing, our health fails, our, our minds fail, uh, too many times marriages fail, in many ways society seems to, to be failing and God we wonder, are you failing too? But God, we thank you that we can look into the face of your Son in faith and know that you never fail. Because as Jesus lives, as that tomb is empty, it's a declaration that you truly haven't failed, that our Savior hasn't failed. He has rescued us and He is preparing a place for us. And then He does now through the Spirit live inside of us and we will one day make it home. But God, it's such a struggle getting there. Father, we pray for Luke. We thank you so much for our dear brother. We thank you for the way he loves you. God, we pray for destiny and the ordeal that they have been through. It seems like we were on the other side. Just this morning, sharing with someone who asked, it seems like we were uh, uh, really turning a corner then to get news today of a further need of prayer. God, we look to you in faith and say, be a good and gracious healing God. Provide peace. Father, also we pray now that your spirit would come with power and you'd be pleased to speak through a broken sinner that falls so short of the message he's about to preach. Father, we certainly don't need to hear my words or my opinion. We need to hear from you, the living and true God. So come and open up our ears so that we can hear the voice of God and open up our minds so that we can understand your truth and soften our hearts so that we can receive your word. Father, empower our feet so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Father, we pray that you and you alone would receive glory and the things that I say that are wrong or made in my opinion, that they'd fall away. But you would use your words to shape us more like Jesus. And then, Father, you would give us great challenge and great joy. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to First Peter chapter 3. Today we're going to be looking at one verse, verse 7, as we continue our mini-series on marriage in the book of Peter. Last week, being Mother's Day, we did a little bit of a leapfrog uh, here to chapter 3, and and I was so pleased to see how God's Spirit stirred all of our hearts with His Word. Uh, Today, we look and we focus on the role of the husbands, and let me tell you, if you're a single, uh, or if you're a woman, um, a single woman or married, this message, this is God's Word, it applies to all of us, so God has something for each and every one of us. 
Let's begin by realizing how important marriage is to God. I mean, God is going to give us a challenge here in his word. He's going to give us a challenge to men, how we are to respond in a way that brings him glory and pleasure, in a way that honors him and our wives. And we got to begin by realizing that God has an incredible value of an institution that he himself has created. It's marriage. You open up the Bible, and what do, you, what, do you, uh, what do you see immediately? You see a God who is good and a God who creates, a God who creates all things out of nothing. You see a God who so graciously blesses both man and woman with his image. And you see immediately the importance of marriage because right out of the blocks, there we have Adam and Eve, and there we have a marriage ceremony, and there you have God saying, what he brings together, let no man put asunder. We get to the very end of the book. We get to the book of Revelation, and we start with a wedding, and we end with a wedding feast. And we realize that marriage is is incredibly important to God. And I believe it's so important because, listen, God desires the institution of marriage to be the primary vehicle in which he uses to reflect his love for us. He wants to declare to the world that he loves us and he wants to use marriage. He wants to point to marriage, biblical marriage, and say, this is the way I love you. And he wants us to have life in marriage. He wants us to have joy in marriage. And because of that, he's given us some parameters on how we're to relate to one another in a way that brings him glory. But listen, in a way that brings us life. He wants our marriages to flourish. Is that flourishing love for one another and love to God? He should be a portrait to the world of the way he loves us. I mean, God says in Malachi 2, verse 16, I hate divorce. I hate it. And he desires for us to live together in harmony in Christ. And he desires for us to to proclaim to the whole world, this is what marriage should be. But you know, sadly, for Christians, the statistics, statistics, the statistics are are abysmal. Really, Christian homes uh, aren't faring much better than non-Christian homes with divorce. And there's so much strife and there's so much difficulty. And I'm so thankful that God calls us to his word and says, this is how you are to live with one another. I tell you, as a pastor, I'm in one of those moments in my life where I'm just feeling the weight of the sinful world around us. I'm getting so many stories, so many stories of, of young people uh, that are making bad decisions, of, of, of marriages that are crumbling. And, and it just feels sometimes you just want to cry out and say, God, can you just come quickly? Because this world is spinning out of control. And there's times when I wonder, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing as the bride of Christ? Are we that different than the world? I got one of those stories this week. And again, this is a secondhand story and I might miss a detail or two, but you need to hear it. I heard a story that's coming out of Maitland Middle uh, School this week about some eighth grade girls. There are two eighth grade girls that both like the same boy. And they wanted uh, to have a relationship with him. And so somehow they thought uh, for him to choose a good idea would be sending naked pictures of themselves to this boy. And say, here we are, uh, which one would you like? Uh, They uh, found two willing and able boys to take pictures of them. And then they sent these pictures via the internet to this boy. Which, pretty soon, 
went more than this boy, and pretty soon it spread throughout the school. And it went to a girl who uh, uh, was dating, apparently, one of the guys that took the picture. She was quite upset, so she printed it out, numerous copies, and brought it to school for publication. She got suspended for 45 days for distributing pornography. The girls in the picture, nothing. They, they weren't at school grounds. And it was a painful reminder of the incredible battle that we are in. Not just our public schools, but our Christian schools. Not just our Christian schools, but our home schools. Because there's this problem of sin that is reigning in all of us. We have hope in Christ. Pat Morley, one of our own members, uh, has a ministry to men. It's a, it's a worldwide ministry, man in the mirror. What an incredible ministry it is. And Pat says rightfully, because God's word agrees, it begins with men. A godly home, a godly society. It begins with us, men. God is calling us to, be, uh, to raise up and, and to be the leaders that God has called us to be. Let's look at God's word and hear the challenge for us husbands in verse 7. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. We're going to look at a few different things here. We're going to look, first of all, being the man that women want. We're going to look at being the man women want. Then we're going to go and look at the uh, reality of being the man women need. Thirdly, being the man women respect. And lastly, we're going to look at being the man that God desires. Starts off this way. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way that God has called us to understand our wives. I want to call your attention to a cartoon. It should come on the screen behind me. I don't know where they get things like this. You got a guy watching ESPN. I mean, I talk about far stretch there. You can see his feet on the couch. And you have a woman dialing a 900 fantasy line number for married women. And it reads, And then your husband mows the lawn. Wow. And then slowly he cleans out the garage. And then, what are they talking about? Is that really what a woman wants? Women want a man who understands them. A man who is sensitive to their needs. One who listens and is thoughtful. Simply put, man, you ready for this? What does a woman want? A man who understands women. And according to God's word, he says, men, we are to live with our wives. And the NIV is too soft here. It says in a considerate way. And it really is according to knowledge that we have to live with our wives in a way that understands them. Is this easy or what? God's word's calling us to understand women. Let's just go out and launch a shuttle or something like that, you know? <laughs> I mean, figure out how to get the moon or, or something. What is he thinking? 
I mean, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, they're clearly wired differently, but God is not saying, I love this reality, he's not saying, hey, I'm going to give you a little out here, I know they're a little bit different than you are, so really, just try to do your best to be harmonious. Just try to be, do your best to, uh, to live with peace. No, he says, listen, I'm commanding you, I'm calling you, husbands, live with your wives in understanding. Whew. Understand their needs. Stories told of a man who lived in California uh, doing something that few Californians do. Um, I don't know why I'm throwing them under the bus, but I am. Um, he was walking down the beach in prayer. And he was praying, and he was praying to the Lord, and he was fervently in prayer. And, and in a moment of kind of selfishness, he cries out and says, God, I just, I just want you to grant me one wish. Heaven's opened up and a voice comes out of heaven saying, okay, I see that you're trying to faithfully serve me and honor me. What is your one wish? He said, I love the beaches here. I love praying to you, but I really love the beaches in Hawaii. Can you please build a bridge from here in California all the way to Hawaii so when I want to, I can drive over to Hawaii? I says, you know, that's a really selfish prayer. I mean, you know the logistics with that? You know how deep the Pacific is? Do you know what you're really asking? Why why don't you take a few moments and and wrestle with this and and see if you can come up with a better prayer? So he walks and he prays more. He says, okay, God, I know what I want to pray. God, would you allow me to understand my wife? Would you please allow me to understand that those times where uh, she says nothing's wrong? But something clearly is wrong. Would you help me understand the silent treatment? Will you help me understand when she says, I'll be ready in 15 minutes and it takes a half an hour? God, would you help me understand my wife so I can love and honor her? Great pause. God says, would you like two lanes or four lanes? (laughs) Well, it's true. It is very difficult, men. But God has called us. He called us to live with our wives in an understanding way. Listen, here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I love the reality. God cherishes women. He delights in the reflection of His image in them. And you cannot cherish what you don't know. And you cannot love what you don't know. And He's calling us to cherish them. He's calling us to cherish them by getting to know them and their needs. He's calling us to enter in. To boldly go where few men dare to go. He's calling us to listen. He's calling us to take time and effort to understand our wives. Now, you know, there's books out there that can help us. And certainly, I encourage you to get in a small group. I remember when Katie and I were first married, uh, she had one of those books uh, by that cult writer, uh, Jim Dobson. And <laughs> kidding. And it was like what every... Husband wish that they're something new about that. I don't know what the title was, but all I know it was this. It was a book telling Katie about men and about why I'm as crazy as I am and how we think the way we think. You know what? I hid the book. <laughs> Refused to let her read it because of my fear. I said, I want you to discover who I am. I don't want James Dobson telling you who I am. And that's how you know what God is saying. You are different. And there's beauty in the distinctions. There's beauty that I want you to see because it reflects me. But enter in. Live with them in understanding. What do women want? They want a man who understands them and loves them. Being a man that women need. Goes on to say this. As with someone weaker, for she is a woman. God has created women to be the weaker vessel. 
God has created women to be the weaker vessel. She is designed physically weaker than man. Weaker, not lesser. Say it with me. Weaker, not lesser. She is not spiritually weaker, morally weaker, intellectually weaker. She's physically weaker. And God has created her that way so that he can provide a husband who will provide protection. Men, God has called us to love and cherish our wives and to honor them by protecting them because they are the weaker vessel. By providing an environment for them in which they will flourish. God has called us to use the power He has given us to protect our wives and our daughters. The most selfish thing, men, you can do is use your power and strength to hurt or injure a woman. Listen, young people, you need to hear that as well. The most selfish thing a man can do is use his power or strength to hurt or injure a woman, to take advantage of a woman's weakness for selfish gain. It's an abomination. God has called us to use our power to protect, our power to cherish, our power to honor. That is what God has done with us. The Almighty God, the All-Powerful One has come. He's come in, in the weakness of man. And He's come and He provides us life and life abundantly and shelter. He uses His power. God uses His power to shelter us, to protect us, to honor us. And God, men, God wants to reflect who He is in the way we honor, love, and protect our wives with the use of power. And never for selfish gain. We realize that both men and women are weak. That God is the only one who is strong. But a woman needs a man who will protect her. And men, listen. The most protecting thing you could do for your wife. The most protecting thing you could do for your wife. Is to point her to Jesus. Point her to the one who is the good shepherd. Point her to the one who is the rock of ages. Point her to the one who will never leave her, never forsake her, and always be with her. Men, you should use what God has entrusted you to reflect Christ back to your wives and cause them and call them and pray for them and plead with them to run to Jesus because there they find safety and protection they need. Orangewood, this applies to us as a church. I mean, whatever power God has given us, whatever gifts God has given us, listen, church, he gives us this power so that we can protect the weak. So we can protect the suffering. He calls us, look out for the orphan, look out for the widow. Use that power which I give you to protect others. I love what God's doing here. I love, we're just putting together a DVD series of all the projects that God is raising up. And I sit there and think, are you kidding me? This is Orangewood. It's amazing. And the thought that Orangewood Christian School is is going to expand, but not just to Sweetwater, but we're in the process of going down to Holden Heights and Lord willing, we'll have a pre-K and a K this year. And I'm delighted because the power of education that God has given us, the power of accreditation, he has blessed us to go and provide shelter to others. That's what we should do as a church. That's what we should do if God has given us power. We use it for his glory in protecting others. Students, you should never use your power except to protect. Never use it to harm.
especially those that God has made less strong physically. Being the man women need, someone will provide shelter. Being the man women respect, and it says this, and honor her as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Uh, ladies, let this, let, this, let this just go into your ears and into your mind and into your soul and, and let the weight of it just, just bring life. The depth of God's love for you, that there's no distinction in His love and His respect for you. Yes, there are different roles, but there's the same love, the same honor. Fellow heirs of the grace of life. Fellow heir now the grace of life. Fellow heirs of the grace to come. I think in 2006, we sometimes lose the weight of this because when this was written, you have to understand, in Jewish law, a wife was, was property. Do you know that a Jewish man had the right to give his wife a certificate of divorce for whatever reason he wanted? You're not pleasing me. Away. Wife had no right to do that. I mean, God says, no, listen, there's something incredible, beautiful about these, the, the women that I've made because they reflect who I am. They don't, men, you don't tell all the story. You need them to tell the story. You need them to complete the picture. They are equal. They are equal with you in worth and my love for them. They too are at the table. They are fellow heirs with Christ. There's no back seat. There's no back seat with women. There's roles that we play that are distinct, but women, let that weight of that just bring you up and lift you up. You are delighted in by the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Men, we're called to honor our wives and we need to honor that which God honors. Clearly, he honors them. He's given them his, his image. He honors them. He says, anything that, that, is, that is weaker, you better protect. And what I honor and I love, you better honor and love as well. And God has called us to honor our lives. And listen, men, we need to honor our wives with our mouths. And the way we talk about them. In their presence, in your household, especially in front of your kids. Our kids need to hear Their dads praise their mothers. They need to hear these words come out. They need to hear, I love you. They need to see that their fathers and our wives need to have their husbands honor them with their mouths. But not only in their presence, men, outside their presence. It really is. It's it's abysmal to hear the way some talk about their wives to others. God is calling you to honor your wife with your mouth. Do not trash her ever in front of anybody. Ever. Your role is to protect her. Protect her reputation. She has not done anything that will cause you ever to dishonor her with your words. Especially to others. And most importantly to your children. Honor her with your eyes. Men, honor your wives by being like Job saying, I'm making a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a girl. Honor with your eyes the way your head won't swivel when you see that girl walking by. Say, God, let me honor my wife. Let me honor you as I honor my, honor my wife. Honor your wife with your eyes by saying, I refuse to go to those pornography sites. I mean, God is dishonoring to my wife. It's displeasing to God. I want to honor him and I want to honor her. I'm going to honor her with my eyes and I'm going to draw the line and say, no. Honor her with your hands. May your hands be soft and loving. May your, may your male hands that, that have more strength than her build her up. May she never fear your hands. Ever fear your hands. 
Honor her with your time. Honor her with your time and your talents. And you know, this is the one that just is killing me right now. Because I'm realizing that I give a lot of leftovers. Do you? I realize I come home and really what I think is this, that I deserve this. I earn it. I know what I've earned. I've earned a little piece of the couch and a little piece of private. And Katie, just, just take care of everything else, all right? Just let me zone out for a little bit. And really, we honor them by not giving them the leftovers, but by giving them the best as well. Just this week, we had a very busy week, and we ate dinner and had a scramble, and everybody went in a different direction. And I came back before Katie, and it got the little two kids down. And walked by the dining room, and I noticed that we hadn't had a chance to clean up supper. And I thought, did I see that? <laughs> did she see me see that? She didn't see me see that. I've already got the kids down. That's one good point for me. That's good. I got that going. All right, I'll go and I'll clean up the dining room. I'll even put things back in the refrigerator. I looked at the dishes. Man, there were a lot in the sink. Did she see that? Do I have to do that too? Please, Lord, no. I mean, this is not going to be a good story. I wish I could tell you a happy ending. And so I said, okay, I'll do the dishes. I turned the water on. I opened up the dishwasher. And do you know that there were dirty dishes in there? I can't do it all. Forget it. Close that puppy up. I'm out of here. Now you know how to pray for Katie. One of the many ways. Honor your wives with your time. <laughs> I had a mom come up to me after the early service. You've got to promise me once a week, you and the boys, you're going to do the dishes. I can't make a vow. I can't keep. But all right, I'll write it down. Listen, honor your wife with your prayers. Pray with them and for them. And listen, single people, young people, honor your future spouse with controlling yourself. There's no greater gift that you could ever give your spouse that one day stand before the Lord and your friends and say to your mate, I am yours and there's no baggage. I'm yours and there's no history. That is the greatest way you can honor your future mate in that way. Let me, let me tell you that many of you already have messed up. And maybe say, there's already baggage. There's, there's, already, there's already sin. Let me encourage you. The good news is if you confess your sin, God will be faithful and just to cleanse you and forgive you. But from today forward, honor your future mates in your lives. And lastly, we need to be men that God desires so that your prayers will not be hindered. Isn't it amazing, men, that our relationship with our wives affects our relationship with God? Listen, we cannot have a right relationship with God if we don't have a right relationship with our wives. I mean, for 10 years in youth ministry, I used to tell students, you can't have a right relationship with your parents. You can't not honor them and then expect God to bless you. It's so true with us too, men that we cannot not honor our wives and expect God's blessing upon us. You see, our relationship with our wives will directly affect our relationships with God. And God's desire for us, men, listen, God's desire for us is to be the spiritual leader of our homes. And your wife may be a lot smarter in the Word than you, and your wife may have more years of Christian experience, and she may have more Christian friends, and, and she may be able to quote more Scripture verses, but that doesn't disqualify you from what God is calling you to do, and that's to be the man in your house and be the spiritual man in your house. That means that you've got to be praying with and for your children. You need to be setting the pace spiritually in your home. You cannot default this to your wife. And we need to begin now. 
When you begin now, say, God, I understand that you're calling me to this role, and, and, and Lord, help me, and he will. We need to be praying for and with our families and setting the pace. Let me ask you, man, are you praying with your wife and for your wife? I know it's hard. We just, Katie and I had dinner with a family uh, recently, and, and they're going through a difficult situation. And, and in tears, the wife said, I just want them to pray with me. That's all I want, just to pray with me. And it's a great guy who I know that was, didn't feel comfortable, but that's our call. Are you praying with and for your children? Men, are you honoring your wife at home? What's going on behind closed doors that we can't see? Are you really honoring them? Are you honoring them with your words? And I tell you, our words, our words can take them down. We know the spots. Are you honoring them with your, with your words at home, with your hands? How about at work? Is there someone at work that you're just dabbling a little emotional relationship with, just getting a little close and cozy, uh, maybe a little flirting? Are you honoring your wife that way? Are you honoring the way you talk about her to others? All of us, are we using the power to empower others? Or are we using it for selfish gain? Men, are you modeling a godly wife, life to your wives and to your children and to the community? Here's the great news, man. You don't have to be Jesus, okay? You don't. Be a broken sinner who loves Jesus. It's all you need to be. Be a broken sinner who says, just reflect in me, reflect in me this reality. Are you in a men's discipleship group? Are you in a C2 group, men? Are you in a CLC two-year program? Do you go to TGIF on Friday mornings with Pat Morley's ministry? Are you part of Band of Brothers? Men, you need men in your lives. You need men to help encourage you and join arms along the way. As the worship team comes forward, we're going to sing. And as we sing, we're going to do a couple things. We're going to, uh, we're going to pray. In a, we're going to have a song that really is a prayer. And in that prayer... We are going to pray for the weak. And we're going to be mindful that God has given us power so that we can empower others. And there will be a time in this song for us to pray. I want to leave you with this thought. My favorite Rembrandt painting is this. It's a painting of the prodigal son. I just love this painting. It hangs in my study. And, and Rembrandt has a picture of this father who's embracing his son, the son who has, has lost one shoe and one's falling off, and clearly he has shows the sign of a, a life apart from God. And you know that Rembrandt painted a male hand and a, and a female hand to show the incredible tender love of God as a tender mother and the incredible strong, powerful love of a father. You see, that's a picture that God wants to reflect in us. As we live as godly wives and godly husbands for the glory of Christ, let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the incredible call that you have given to us. And God, we ask that you would do your work in our hearts. God, convict us of sin and then show us Jesus. Raise up godly husbands, Father God. Our church desperately needs it. Our society desperately needs it. And your kingdom will be advanced because of it. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.